eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue. This, this is the pod, is the for, pod you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. A win is a win. You are listening to Orange and Blue Blood at New York Knicks podcast. Hosted by Odyssey. Hosted by WFAN. EJ Stewart here, joined by Tommy Another new episode talking New York Knicks basketball. Knicks are once again on a win streak, three games in a row. It wasn't the most pretty win, but they did get a win, Tommy, and it was one that was needed. Listen, uh, on April 9th or 10th or whenever the season ends, they're not going to ask you, were the wins pretty? Um, did they win going away? Was it a nail biter? They ask, how many, what's the number in the W column? What's the number in the L column? Um, that's all that matters. And uh, Knicks put one in the W column last night. But you were right. It was an ugly win. Yeah, it definitely was. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, what we could take away from this win from a positive standpoint, what maybe negative things we take away from this win. We'll also talk about uh, a decision from Tom Thibodeau regarding Obi Toppin, who actually made his return from his injury last uh, Wednesday night. So we'll, we'll talk about that and more trade rumors regarding the Knicks and Zach Levine. So a uh, big episode here of uh, Orange and Blue Blood. So keep it right here. Of course, if you enjoy these episodes, make sure you can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. That includes the free Odyssey app. And wherever you do listen to us, make sure you hit the subscribe and auto download feature so you can get these episodes whenever we drop. We drop three times a week. So plenty of Knicks talk uh, on the podcast. So let's get right to it. So let's begin with Wednesday night's win. So uh, it wasn't always pretty, but the Knicks extended their win streak to three games after knocking off the Spurs at home Wednesday night. Spurs hung around for most of the game and even took the lead in the fourth quarter, but the Knicks were rescued by a heroic performance from Jalen Brunson, a Jalen Brunson who did not play in last week's loss to the Spurs. So that's interesting to note. Brunson had a career high, 38 points, a regular season career high. He did have 41 points uh, in the playoffs last season. Julius Randle struggled with the shot, but did add 25 points and 13 rebounds. Quinn Grimes hit a clutch three in this game. He had a clutch defensive stop in this game. Um, he added 14 for the Spurs. Kelvin Johnson led the way once again with 26 points. I will be very happy not to see Kelvin Johnson play against the Knicks for the rest of the season. Um, the Spurs had two chances 
either to tie or take the lead late, but in one possession, suffered a five-seconds violation, and this just didn't tell me. I think uh, Jeremy Zohan is still looking to inbound the ball. <laughs> I think he's still sitting there, even though there's nobody in the arena at Madison Square Garden, still looking for an open spur. Um, because, it, like, despite, like Clyde said, the whistle didn't blow. I don't think he would have ever inbounded that ball. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that play, and then you had the final possession where, again, Quentin Grimes makes a big play, and they don't even get a shot off. So, um, talking about this win, Tommy, uh, should Nick fan feel good about it? Let's just keep, let's just be honest. Like, should you feel good about a win where you struggle against uh, such a lowly team like the Spurs and, and a game you thought you should have put away maybe in the first quarter? Should the Knicks have put the Spurs away in the first quarter? Yes. Should it have been this close in the fourth quarter? No. Is there cause for concern? Absolutely. But again, at the end of the day, Knicks got a W, and and that's important. And you know, I was I I I, I was thinking about Nick fans you know kind of angry you know they'll swallow the win you know with with a teaspoon of medicine make you know like they they they'll accept it obviously um and uh you know but you know the reality is how how excited can you be about beating the worst team in the NBA in terms of net rating one of the worst teams in the league certainly by by most metrics um and i just i kind of want to take a little bit of a different tact on it um after the Knicks game last night the Pistons were playing in Golden State, a game that started after the Knicks loss. Pistons yeah. ended up beating the Warriors in Golden State. Um, after the Knicks game last night, the Lakers were playing um, – uh, who, who did the Lakers play? Uh, the Heat. The Heat. I watched Lakers, that game. Lakers played Miami. Um, no LeBron, Miami, no AD. Miami fully healthy. The Lakers, LeBron, non-COVID illness out. AD, as we know, was out. Lakers, Dennis Schroeder's 32 points and they, and they beat Chicago. I say all that to say this and that type of stuff has happened with alarming regularity in, in this season. Um, if we take a step back from, you know, the, the last night's ugly win, Knicks riding a three game winning streak that's tied for the longest in the Eastern Conference tells you about parity. Um, sixth place in the East, three games above 500, tells you about parity. Knicks have a better record than the than the Heat, than the aforementioned Warriors, than the Suns team they beat last night. Suns lost again last night. They're just one game over 500. Knicks have a better net rating than the Nuggets, the Bucks, and the Clippers. Um, so again, look at it, it, the totality of it. Is the Knicks are pro? You know they're gonna they're gonna um, they're two games away from the season's exact midway point. They will be above 500 at that midway point, even they, even if they lose their next two games for the first time in a decade, uh, and I think mm -hmm. just the third or fourth time this century. Um, so we can focus on the negatives. We'll talk about the negatives. They need to be addressed. I'm talking defensive efficiency. Um, I'm talking about offensive stagnation in the fourth quarter. That's a major yeah. issue. I'm talking about these free throw yips that Randall and, and Brunson are, are having of late. I'm talking about playing those guys too many minutes that may be attributing that may be a factor in the in the free throw missed free throws down the stretch yeah. and the and the and the poor fourth quarter performance all that stuff is wrapped in and we'll get there but just as a big picture point i think i just want to let nick fans or give them a reminder um that where you are right now um we're recording this uh 113 on january 5th um is is a pretty good spot to be all things considered yeah and i think you know i i like that you mentioned the other games that happened on Wednesday night because I, I watched uh, a lot of the Lakers game and then I, I caught the highlights of the Warriors game. Like, like that could be your, that could be you. Like you, we, the Knicks could have been the Heat on Wednesday night. The Knicks could have been the Warriors on Wednesday night. Um, the, no, the Heat playing against a, a, a just a downtrodden Lakers team and they give up thirty one to Dennis Schroeder. Um, the uh, the Warriors lose on a game winner 
uh, by Sadiq Bay, kind of a, a crazy shot. Like that, that could have happened. And and <laughs> again, and maybe Jerry, Jeremy Toyan inbounds the ball. Maybe they, it would have happened. So the fact that it didn't, you do have to take some credence in that. Hey, the Knicks got to win. There are other teams in the league, teams that uh, were expected to be better than the Knicks, teams that you expect to probably turn around in the second half and have better second halves. Uh, they they are struggling, and and they are struggling to get these games. So right now in the NBA, there is hyper parity, um, particularly in the middle of, of the team. You know, maybe the top three or four teams in these conference for the East is five. Definitely seem like solid, but uh, everyone else is very close, a lot closer than people think. Just as an aside, and I wrote about this morning because I was for some reason I was looking at um the 2017 finals and basically the 2017 Warriors run, they went 16 and one. That was the first day they won 73 games. Kevin Durant joined the team and they just run, ran rough shot over the rest of the NBA, um, swept the first round, swept the second round, swept the Western conference finals and beat the Cavs four one in the finals. Um, it, that just, it, it, it's unfathomable to think that a team could have a run like that in this postseason. I was looking at the standings. Yeah. Top five teams in the East, you can make a case that any of them will advance to the East. I, I wouldn't, I couldn't fight you if you said the Sixers or the Bucks or the Celtics um, or the Nets or or even the Cavs. And then in the West, I don't even know who who do you want yeah. to score as a favorite right now. Um, you could make a legitimate case that there's seven teams. Um, you know, uh, Clippers, uh, Nuggets. Uh, are, are the Warriors dead? I wouldn't. You know, I, I couldn't. Yeah, I them. I'm not going to bury them right now. Yeah. Um, Pelicans. Pelicans are, are the Grizzlies. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was just thinking, when's the last time in January you could say legitimately, you know, realistically, that there are 12 teams that wouldn't surprise you that could win a championship four months from now? Um, I just think it's a very interesting time in the NBA, whether it's the, you know, the NBA's um, salary cap and, and, you know, and the the, the machinations and the lottery odds getting adjusted, whatever the case is, it's it's pretty interesting um, that you have this much parity in the NBA because it certainly wasn't always the case. And I am not one to, I I, I really hate the conversation around the NBA regular season being bad and and the three-point shot ruining the game but what i will say is i do think the three-point shot has allowed more teams to be viable maybe than ever you know before like the the best the best time i think about was like the early 2000s when it was clear like the western conference was going to have the champion and it was almost certainly either going to be the lakers or the spurs every year um it was because they could just bully you and pound you in the paint and uh like like the fact that now the three-point shot has become an equalizer any no team is out of any game there's all 30 Yep. So, so because of that, I think it's, it's allowed for a lot of these teams to kind of have these, you know, one game above 500 or one game below 500 kind of record. Um, and it allows them these top upper echelon teams to kind of be, have not that much of, of a, of a difference between them because they all play similar. Yep. Uh, there isn't a team that has this uh, very different, unique style of play. So it comes down to, you know, who's shooting the ball better, who's more attuned defensively from night in night out basis. And that's why you probably have this period where you have all these teams, who legitimately you look at and say, hey, that team's probably a title contender. And no, there's not even time in a long time where you could say 12 teams at this point in the season, you'd say, hey, if they got to the championship, we wouldn't be surprised. So that is an interesting point regarding just how the league is. So if you're the Knicks, um, you got to take 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 the wins where you can get them. And the Spurs shot the ball, again, shot 50% from the field last night. Um, what do you make of the Dick's defensive slippage? Like, like what, what do you think is, 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 is attributed to this? Because when they were on that eight game win streak, they were just locking everybody up. That That's not happening anymore. Even in this three game win streak. Yeah. I think a lot, part of it has to do with, um, the, the minutes played. 
Um, since the uh, uh, the five games that uh, IQ has started in place of Randall, um, he's averaging was the number I had it here a second ago. Um, those, so it's a, it's uh, 45.32 minutes he played last night. Wow. Um, uh, obviously over 40 minutes. Um, the the he's averaging 43.1 minutes a night since Christmas. That's the that five game stretch. The only other player in the NBA averaging more than 40 minutes a night during that stretch, Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, so the Knicks, uh, Luka Doncic is, is exactly at 40, Randall's at 41, uh, IQ's at 43. Um, you know, it's just tough for NBA players and you give credit to IQ and especially IQ played 45 minutes and he's, you know, he plays, he hard, he fights over screens. You know, he's not, he's not messy, just kind of walking around in the midfield and, and and biding his time over the course of a game. Like he, he competes on the defensive end. They rely on him to score offensively. Um, So, you know, those are hard minutes that he's playing and Julius Randle to his credit, um, uh, four blocks and three steals last night. It's the first time in his entire career he's had at least four blocks and three steals in his game. Had the chase down blocked um, yeah. the second quarter last night. First thing I thought of was he doesn't make that play last season. Absolutely. He puts his head down, slumps his shoulders, blames a teammate for his bad pass, and and, and it's, a, it's a free basket the other way. And you still see some bad body language stuff with Randall. It drives you crazy, but it is what it is. But more often than not, he's making those effort plays, those hustle plays that he did yeah. not. Um, and again, playing four Tibbs playing, you know, that defensive minded grinded out style wears you down, especially when you're playing so many heavy minutes. Um, when Obi gets back, will that be able to reduce Randall's minutes? Hopefully, I, I think that, that should obviously be the case. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, but I think, you know, looking at it, you know, uh, at the big picture since the since the Knicks went to the nine man rotation that was impacted by uh, the injuries they've had. Obviously, Brunson missed a few games. Barrett's still sidelined. Um, but that I think. When you ask those guys to play that that heavy minutes for a month, six weeks, whatever the case might be, um, you start to see these. I think that's contributed to um, the late game. You know, uh, the late game. A lot of it has to do with the unevent of offense. We'll talk about that as well. But just yeah. the defensive slippage, I think, can be attributed to um, that as well. So in the short term, it gets you wins, much needed wins, because you, you know they they don't have a big margin for error. I understand they want to play these guys a lot, um, but big picture, three months from now, two months from now, two weeks from now. What kind of wear and tear does that take? Obviously, he's not comfortable with Cam Reddish uh, in the rotation right now. But if that buys you some additional rest for IQ, some additional rest for Randall, um, whoever the case might be, Barrett was playing plenty of minutes when he was healthy. Um, that might be something that that Tibbs has got to look at at this point. Yeah, because, you know, I know that there are fans and, and media members who will refer to people who talk about the minutes, say, oh, the minutes police is out again. But, like, we've seen this story with Tibbs every single season he's coaching the NBA is that he will play certain players a ton of minutes and those players will respond and play hard for him in those minutes that they get. But as the season wears goes on, as their their body wears down, whether you get late in the season or the postseason, uh, you see those players slip. You see sometimes those guys get injured. Um, This is not just a, oh, we're just, you know, being talking about something that doesn't matter. Yes, you want to win every game that's on the schedule. And we live and die with these games. We record podcasts three times a week. We're talking almost about every game. So we understand every game is important. But there is a bigger goal in mind um, and a longer season to consider. So when you play these guys 40 minutes in regular season games, uh, often, you know, this has been a stretch where, again, you said IQ and and, and Randall are regularly playing 40 minutes. Um, There's going to be a receipt. There's going to be a receipt that's going to have to be paid. 
And 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 I'm very concerned that that could be a problem as we move forward. You know, Ovi should be back soon. We think. I mean, he was back last night. We'll talk about that in a second. But um, but that is something to be concerned about. I I do I do feel that way. But I do I did sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, just quickly about the minutes, please. Just a, a, a general, you know, point. You know, just a, a, there. If Patrick, you know, Patrick Ewing played forty minutes a night, he never complained. Yeah, mm-hmm. but if we knew what we, if if science had advanced to the point where we were from comfortable and we had advanced our knowledge to the point that there's a there's a, a there is a benefit to guys not playing back to backs and not playing forty seven minutes and then playing forty, then maybe Ewing's career would have lasted longer. Maybe his Achilles right. injury that's uh, sidelined in ninety nine, you know, could have been prevented, or the knee injuries that he dealt with, you know. So I understand we you know we look back on these times and say these guys were tougher, and but maybe it's just we're smarter now, and the and I don't want to say the smarter teams or the more savvy teams a lot of teams understand the bigger picture and and they under, like like for instance i heard somebody saying this morning you know lebron sat out with a non-covid illness you know mm-hmm. like jordan would have played what if jordan you know and had the, the flu game he would if it was in that finals game or playoff game lebron would have played and that's why right. he's never missed a playoff game in his career and that's right. why he's one of the most durable you know and and, and at age 38 he's right. still averaging 29 8 and 7 Part of that is because he's embraced, you know, he, if he, it was up to him solely, he probably would play 82 games, 48 minutes a night. But he's surrounded by folks that understand there's a bigger picture. And, and as you know, you pay that short term check, um, you know, that interest rate rises. You probably have to yeah. pay bill a few months later. And and then you made a great point about Ewing and, and the older players playing 40 minutes, you know, for a season sometimes. Yep. But people don't re- realize that it's. Basketball played in the 90s, or early 2000s, or even yes. you know, mid-2000s. There are so fewer possessions per yes. game than there yes. are in games today. So 40 minutes in 1996 is totally different than 40 minutes in 2023. Because you're playing maybe 40 possessions more. Um, it's more running. It's more wear and tear. And if you're talking about players like Julius Randle, like uh, Emmanuel Quickly, these are guys who... Um, they also there's a there's an added that not all 40 minutes are equal. Yes. Um, some guys are playing a 40 minutes that is extremely high impact, yes, extremely physical, uh quickly. And Randall would certainly, you know, fall into that category, particularly Randall offensively, in terms of the damage he takes and the contact he takes. So yeah, that's something that's gonna have to be looked at as they as they move forward through the season. Uh the nine-man rotation has has shown its benefits. But um, but the minute distribution, I think, will have to be looked at. The other thing about the distribution, another distribution kind of issue, maybe to talk about, is I think the shot distribution. I mean, you watched last night. Uh, you know, Brunson was cooking, so I, you can't complain much about how 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 great he was. Um, and I don't have a problem with the shots he took. Isn't but, it just um, fun? Isn't it just fun watching him work offensively? Like it's just yeah, game in, game out. You know, he's not the we talked about. It. He doesn't jump, can't jump over a phone book, and you know, doesn't fly. Doesn't you know? Isn't out? Isn't Iverson crossover out yeah. people? Just so crafty, so smart. Footwork fundamentals. You know, we said after the game, I've been working on my game since I was a baby. It shows. Coach's son. Um, it just it, it it just really is fun to watch, and especially Nick fans that have for years and years and decades not had a point guard been able to run the show just watch brunson operate is, is really he's an artist he's he's you know he's he's a he's a he's an offensive genius when it you know defensively he gave up a lot of buckets trey jones is not a good scorer um gave up too many floaters and you know there's issues on the other end but just watching brunson work really is a joy yeah I, offensively he's a stud and oh. if he was if he was six five he'd be an oh. mvp candidate i mean i yeah. mean he's so he's so crafty he's so good 
and 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 he was spectacular. I do quickly want to talk about uh play you a uh, sound from Brunson last night on his career high and uh and what it took to get it. I mean, whatever it takes to win. Um I could have 38 or I could have three points if we win. That's all I really care about. And um that's just been my my goal, my mindset, and that's the mindset of this team. We just gotta keep it going. But it does it does feel good with a win, but uh just whatever it takes. Yeah, and that's kind of the attitude he 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 kind of played with. He, you kind of see that as that game got tight, he kind of said, "Okay, um, we cannot lose this game, and I'm not going to allow it." And the Knicks have not had a player like that in so long. Uh, you know, I, I guess when you talk about Carmelo Anthony, maybe in his prime, like a, a guy who could really be a closer in a game like that. The Knicks last season probably fumbled that game away, no yep. question. But uh, Brunson's individual shot making saved them in that game. But you do look at the shot distribution. You got, you know, 27 shots for Brunson, 26 for Randall. You're talking about 53 combined shots. Uh, that that does concern me a little bit. Like, I, I think we've seen now um, how productive IQ and Grimes can be offensively. I think that you guys see those guys get more shots in the game like this. Uh, Quentin Grimes hit a huge three in this game. He was only he was five for eight. He shot an extremely high percentage. Um, but he's only getting eight shots. And, and quickly, he took 13. He probably lived with that. But considering... Uh, Brunson and Randall took you know 53 combined. Uh, I, I do think that they guys do a better job of spreading the ball around, uh, to get these other guys some shots. Uh, what do you think about that? I totally agree, especially on nights when, when Randall doesn't have it. Now, listen, I give him the benefit of the doubt, um, because he's played so well at such a high level for, for weeks and weeks now. He was, he was, he, he, he earned the right to have an inefficient, I think it was nine for 26 last yes. night. Um, he earned that, so you can't get too upset, at, but. Yeah. I mean, in, again, in terms of, you know, giving your ch- team the best chance to succeed, eight field goals uh, on a night when when Grimes was three or five from deep, um, eight field goal attempts is, is just not enough. Had only nine the night before um, the, the, the Phoenix game was five for nine. Um, it just because because, again, um, it benefits you long term. You know, if you get if you get Grimes going, um, it just increases the chances that you're going to f- feel less double teams, less pressure. It's just going to open up driving lanes, um, et cetera. And same for IQ. Um, you know, obviously Barrett out being is part of the reason why those guys shots attempts have been high. Yeah. Uh, but as we've talked about here, um, that Grimes should see as if not more because he's been a you know he's just as efficient um, in terms of Barrett, uh, an equal slice of the offensive pie um, when when uh, RJ is not in the game. And one other thing about Brunson, um, you know, we talked about, um, uh, you know, not being the most athletic or, you know, uh, obviously not the quickest player on the floor. He does what he, and, and he struggled defensively, but he also drew a key charge last night. Yep. Uh, he's up to 14 charges drawn. So that's second in the league um, behind Kevin Love. Um, and it's funny, I, I um, uh, drop a name here, but um, I had uh, Jeff Van Gundy on my podcast uh, a, a month ago. And one of the comparisons he used for who Obi should model his game after, which surprised me, was Kevin Love. Um, you know, he mentioned that even though um, uh, Obi, you know, because you would think Obi's a above the rim player, run, you know, complete, you know, uh, uh, just a gazelle in the open floor gets a lot of points off fast breaks, but defensively doesn't that kind of have that that quick twitch, um, that hit movement, that you know, side to side movement that that a lot of the elite defensive players have. So what mm-hmm. Love does is he just positions himself, you know, sees the floor better, um, beats guys to their spot, and that's kind of what Brunson does. He he makes up for his lack of quickness and lack of athleticism and mobility. Um, you know, by being a step ahead and willing to sacrifice his body. Um, and, and again, Brunson plus 14 um, in, in his 40 minutes last night. Um, you know, so just, it, it, again, it says a lot about him and, and 
uh, as you said, Knicks don't win this game last season. Um, and the Knicks don't win this game in seasons past. And that's primarily because of Bronson. Yeah, Knicks win. Big game from Brunson. Um, they're on to Toronto. We'll be talking about that game um, on the next podcast, Friday's podcast. Uh, big game. Toronto had a uh, a weird game <laughs> Wednesday. Wednesday. It was a weird night in the NBA. A weird game. Uh, we'll, we'll talk plenty about that uh, on the next podcast. But um, uh, considering what Pascal did to them last, uh, last time they played, I know the Knicks will definitely want to return the favor here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But uh, speaking about Wednesday night's win uh, over the Spurs, uh, next forward, Obi Toppin, who Tommy just mentioned, uh, suited up Wednesday night for the first time in a month after suffering a, a fracture in his right fibula head. Uh, but the three-year vet did not see any action. Toppin earned a DMP coach's decision Wednesday night. And when asked about Toppin's situation, Prior to the game, head coach Tom Thibodeau said he would be used, quote, situationally. Um, that is typically meant that the person is not in the rotation when Tom Thibodeau has said that uh, a certain player is situational. So uh, a lot of fans were excited to hear that Obi was upgraded to doubtful, then upgraded to questionable, and then upgraded to he's in, he's going to be suited up. And then we, he did not get into uh, the game on Wednesday night. Uh, just on, first of all, are you okay with Toppin not seeing action uh, Wednesday uh, via a coach's decision? Yeah, I'm not going to get get too worked up about it. Um, he was listed as out, you know, 24 hours prior, then doubtful, you know, 18 hours or so prior to tip off. Um, so it's clear that you know I, I don't think they were expecting, they were planning to have him um, unless he felt really good, you know, warming up, and you know, doctors cleared him. So um, they sent him down, and the Knicks announced earlier on Thursday that they sent him down to the Westchester um, mm-hmm. to practice with the J League team, um, and then was recalled. Um, so again, it's just about getting his his game legs ready. Um, you know, he's again, this is a lower leg injury too. So his, his cardio is going to be off. Um, it takes a while to get guys back in shape. And, um, even if they're practicing, um, at full speed, it's not game shape. So having him ease back in the rotation, I think a lot of Nick fans got, a, you know, got worked up when they heard situational, because you're right in the past, that has mean the situation is only if the Knicks are up 35 with right. 30 seconds left. Um, I, I took it as, and I think Tibbs tried to clarify it. Um, when he was kind of with follow-up questions was basically saying that's just for the time being, um, you know, once he's healthy and, you know, gets back in somewhat, somewhat approximate, you know, 75%, you know, game shape, 85%, somewhere along those lines. Again, there's no reason to rush him back. Team's playing well, three game winning streak. Um, uh, let the, let the, you know, uh, let him, let him get as close to 100% as possible and let him in the rotation. If he's not playing two games from now, a week from now, then we definitely have to have a conversation um, yeah. because I don't, I would not agree with that. 
Um, but I think for the time being, even if he doesn't play Friday, won't get too worked up about it. Um, he should be back by early next week. And then, and that's when he should start seeing his 18, 20 minutes a night and at, at least. Um, and, and, you know, we can go from there. Yeah. And, and we saw this a little bit with uh, Quentin Grimes to start the season. Uh, Grimes was, um, he came back after the foot problem he was having and he was situational. So that meant that he was not really playing, but then he'd get in in garbage time, which confused a lot of fans, including myself being like, why is he playing? If he's healthy, why is he not playing? He's healthy. Quentin Grimes saying he was ready. But I do think that from the uh, Tibbs and Nick standpoint, they wanted him to get into a, a certain level of conditioning and shape so that he could play the now a lot of minutes, <laughs> the minutes that he's playing now. And it looks like it paid off because he hasn't had a recurrence of that foot issue, which is, you know, fortunate for the team. That is true because the way that injury was going, it just seemed bad. It seemed like this was going to be something that maybe was going to yes. plague them Nagging. all, yeah, all yeah. season. And and there, there's been um, – at least he hasn't talked about any issue with his foot. I know he said that he feels fine uh, when right. he back by, like, a couple months ago. So – um, so they handled that well. So, yep. uh, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna really second guess uh, decision not to play Obi Toppin um, last night. I, part of me wonders: is there a reason to even activate him if you know you're not gonna play him? Um, just to maybe avoid a little bit of a media storm. Like you kind of create a story by activating a guy who then is not gonna play a player that we know is is going to be in a rotation. A player that is, of course, popular amongst the fans. You know, part of me wonders was it even worth it, but. Obi may have wanted to suit up. Obi may have right. wanted to be be in, in 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 uniform. He may have wanted to be go through the the morning, you know, the uh, the pregame work workouts and the pregame shoot around. He wanted to be all part of all that stuff. So uh, that that's that's not an issue for me. But when you when you talk about Obi's place in this rotation, he really wasn't around for all that long with the nine man rotation. So this gets interesting because now we've seen the nine man rotation and Knicks have had, you know, mostly success. They had a five-game losing streak in between, but they had an eight-game win streak, now a three-game win streak uh, in between those, uh, you know, bookending those. Who does Toppin replace in this rotation? To me, the answer is obvious, but I'm curious what you think. I am going to say that the, he shouldn't replace anybody because I think Tibbs should expand to a 10-man rotation. Going Interesting. Forward. I did yeah. not expect that answer. Okay. But, yeah, I just think with the with the minutes they're, they're playing – um, again, those guys uh, looking looking at the big picture. You're in the dog days of winter. You're in the middle of the season. Um, you know it, it, things are going to start getting tougher. Knicks play in the next twelve opponents or all Eastern Conference opponents. Um, they're going to be tough, physical, important games. Um, listen, do I do do I think that uh, obviously you know that the two candidates would probably be either be Sims or Hardenstein. You could certainly make a case that Sims has outplayed Hardenstein over the last couple of weeks. So then Hardenstein should be bumped from the rotation. And I wouldn't complain with that because I don't think he's done enough he, he's he actually did play well monday um and had a decent game uh wednesday night as well um but i i think again all things being considered bring randall's minutes down um mitch had 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 obviously he's been playing really well of late but just has trouble staying out of foul trouble um still hasn't mastered that skill yet of just going straight up keeping his hands not reaching um yeah. so you want to keep those guys fresh um, on nights that Hardenstein doesn't have it, play him four minutes. Let Sims, you know, see if Sims can bring in a you know a spark off the bench in the second half, because um, because he did he did fit close out the game last night, played well defensively as well. Um, so uh, so, but but all things considered, big picture, I want Obi to see his 18, 20 minutes a night, and then 
keep Hardenstein and Sims both in the rotation and maybe, you know, shuffle them back one game, you know, sit, sit, sit one guy a game on Monday, play the next guy Wednesday, something along those lines. Again, I, I'm, I'm trying to look at the bigger picture, trying to reduce wear and tear um, on, the, on the bodies up front. I actually don't. I, I like the concept of of kind of keeping everybody fresh with going back to 10 men. Um, with the way Tiz is talking, I just feel like it's highly unlikely he'll go to 10 men. I also think that when it comes to if you're going to go to 10 man rotation, I think it's harder to do it with playing more bigs than it is to do it playing more guards or, or wings because you could always go small. It's harder in the NBA now to go big unless you're sure. the Cavs, essentially. Right. So, um, so that would be my the only thing that would make it tough to me. Like I, I'm, I'm pretty much done with Hartenstein. Like I've seen enough for me, at least for now. Uh, I, I do, you know, I don't know how much Tibbs actually believes in it, but I do agree with his adage that you know you're out of rotation doesn't mean you're out forever. Right. I'm not saying Hartenstein should never play for the Knicks ever again, but I, I think given and I don't even necessarily blame him entirely for this not working out the way it we thought it would because he's not being used correctly they're not using his passing ability you're not using his ball handling ability like none of that stuff that he did in, in with the clippers that that made him such a, a, a interesting intriguing addition have been used he's been used as like todd gibson like he's just like a kind of a miscellaneous just body <laughs> you know to throw out there and and and, and it's, it's unfortunate that tibbs uh has not used him that way particularly since he coached joe Yoko noah who had a very similar skill set so he's offensively so it makes very little sense but but because of that if you are going to have that big man that that back of five just kind of be another big body to throw his body around defend the rim and, and rebound then jericho sims is more equipped to do that jericho sims is uh, more athletic Jericho Sims is a better rebounder Jericho Sims is a better defender and I think he's outplayed Hartenstein over these past few weeks and I just, it just seems like Isaiah may need a little bit of a reset um uh, I, I I wouldn't mind seeing him you know take a break for maybe a month or so and then maybe come back to him when eventually someone gets hurt because we're playing guys 45 minutes a night and I need him yeah, and that's a fair point. And Hartstein has mentioned he's dealt with some nagging injuries over yeah. the, first, the first half of the season, so maybe some time off might might benefit him. The other thing about keeping Sims is he's obviously far more similar to um, Robinson in terms of a rim runner, um, you know, high pick and rolls, offensive rebounding, um, you know, things along those lines. He's not going to step outside, neither Robinson nor um, uh, Mitch Rob uh, or um, Sims is going to attempt yeah. Pointer that that Hardenstein has you know has launched the season, um, so that 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 would make sense in that respect as well. There, the, you know, you can kind of run similar plays and keep the same similar you know attack on on both ends of the floor. Um, you just kind of replace one guy with the other. Yeah, it's unfortunate that we haven't have Hardenstein hasn't been able to find the jump shot. Yes, uh, that that was really that really made him. Uh, I thought a coup when they when they got him was the idea that they could play him at the five next to Obi and Obi could do more rim running. Um, but Hardenstein shooting only 25% from three this year. Uh, doesn't look all that confident in the shot, even when he shoots it now. So um, he's, he's he, he, again, I think he's someone that really just needs to take a seat. And I think that uh, um, they're going to need him at some point. Like, yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily say, well, let's shoot him out of here. I think that they'll need him. So, uh, so I would like to keep him around. But I would probably sit him. I hope that he would respond better than I think Evan Fournier has to being out of the rotation. Fournier, I don't know how you feel. I mean, Fournier, he looks worse. Like every time I watch him, he looks worse. I mean, that second quarter where the Spurs made their run to pretty much evaporate that big first quarter the Knicks had, Fournier was awful. I mean, he he, he couldn't guard anybody. He's taking terrible shots. Like, 
man, that that signing by Leon Rose, that's the worst move he's made by far, easily. <sighs> I, I'd have to think about it, but it, it, it's certainly in the running. I just think that the way he's been used is, yeah. Um, I mean, to, to be fair to, to Fournier, he you know was fourth in the league and made threes last year. I know. Um, yeah. You know, he played alongside Kemba, so his numbers were terrible. But part of that was because you know it was skewed a little bit. Um, but but to your point, um, as far as Fournier goes, um, the Knicks bench unit got was badly outplayed and outscored by San Antonio, and that's been a trend um, over the last month. It's a 15 game sample size. New York's reserves are averaging just 21.9 points per game. That ranks dead last in the NBA. Um, part of the recent lapse in production is obviously due to IQ yeah. uh, moving from the bench to the starting lineup, and, and he's a team's leading reserve scorer. Um, but that is, again, that's another reason why I think uh, the moving to 10 and, and obviously having Obi out that 15 game stretch as well, moving to 10 might help the team because those guys are a little bit worn down. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, you're kind of getting diminishing marginal returns um, when they exceed a certain minutes threshold. Um, so maybe, you know, infusing Obi, um, let, you know, letting him infuse some life into the, into the lineup, into, into the second unit um, and, and, you know, seeing whether he plays alongside better with Sims or Hartstein, um, you know, just kind of seeing obviously the, the two man combo of Hardenstein Toppin really hasn't been successful. Um, so we likely won't have to see that much going forward now that Toppin's returned. So we'll see how it plays out. But the Knicks need to address the fact that, um, that that their second units are getting badly outplayed on a nightly basis here. Yeah, it's a, it's like a, a tale of two seasons, really. You think about last season, how the bench unit was uh, carrying the Knicks for most of the season. Yeah. Yeah. The stars were being washed from night in uh, and night out. And now it's the other way around there. So definitely something that's going to have to consider. Uh, exploring but um some other trade rumors regarding the knicks and zach levine surfaced again thursday morning so who pipes michael scotto says the knicks are among several teams who league executives expect will go after chicago bulls all-star zach levine if he is made available in a trade scotto notes the knicks plethora of draft picks and salaries that could make a levine deal possible he also mentions other teams that could be in on the running will include the lakers the mavericks and the heat so um we've talked a lot about zach levine and 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 i don't think either of us really have much of an appetite for a deal um for him so i want to kind of flip the conversation and kind of bring it from the knicks perspective why do you think the knicks would be or apparently maybe are interested in bringing in zach levine yeah, again, as, as far as rumors are concerned, the Knicks, you, you have to assume they, they're doing their due diligence. If you hear a star player, and, and Zach Levine is an offensive stud, um, yep. is, is on the open market, you have to call, you have to see what the asking price is. And so to directly answer your question, why would the Knicks be interested in Zach Levine? If the Bulls are willing to take on whatever, if the Bulls' sole focus is getting off Zach Levine's contract. Yeah. If, if the Bulls want to improve their roster, if the Bulls you know, you know, think that Zach Levine's, a, you know, still, you know, a top player in the league, but they want it. He doesn't quite fit well with the Rosen and Vucevic. They want to trade for point guard or power, whatever the case might be. Um, you know, they and they want something comparable in return in terms of talent. Then the Knicks back away from the table. And as I think most teams in the league would, again, key thing with Levine being 
Um, one, he hasn't been the most, he's been injury prone uh, in the past. Um, he's dealt with some knee issues, um, high flyer. His game's based largely on athleticism. So you worry about investing in those guys too much long-term. And speaking of investments, he just signed a five-year, $215 million contract. Yep. Um, and that's a, and that's a player option, the fifth year. It's not like it's just four years with the team option. You can get off. You're committing 215 bucks to the guy. Um, so you really have to be, you know, committed and, you know, all in, if you, you really view him as a, crucial essential piece of a championship winning team if you're going to trade for him at the very start of that contract that being said um the knicks if the if the bulls are so are telling teams listen match the contracts and take on the you know match the salary and take on his contract and he's yours then you got to start having some conversations you know um bill simmons for instance um who's obviously not a nick fan um <laughs> to put it mildly yeah put it mildly um did talk about it last uh last month um when you know the, the bulls were really struggling they're not playing much better now a little bit better um but basically saying listen the bulls clearly need to blow it up they're in no man's land um they need to get off that contract. And his 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 proposed trade was Obi Toppin, Derrick Rose, Fournier, and just a 2023 first-round pick. So basically, you're getting off Fournier, who you want to get off anyway, who has another year left on his contract. Obviously, nowhere near in, in terms of value, um, committed salary going forward as Levine. But you get a Fournier's contract. You get off Rose, who's out of the rotation right now. Um, he was cleared to play on Wednesday. Did not. We, I think we both expect him not to be a part of the rotation going forward. Um, a 2023 first-rounder, whether it's the Knicks' own pick, which will probably be in the mid-teens, somewhere along those lines, or the pick that they have committed from the Mets, um, uh, which will probably be in the low 20s. Again, uh, it's top 10 protected. Uh, I think we can all assume that, that the Mavs will make the play-in or the, the playoffs this season. Um, so it will probably be in the late teens, early 20s. We'll see how the next couple months go. Um, but all things considered, um, then Obi Toppin, you know, if you're not – again, there's something as we've talked about previously. They're going to have to make a decision on Obi Toppin if they don't want to commit to him long-term when he becomes um, – when they have an opportunity to offer him extension this summer. Um, then you're just talking about only really one piece of your uh, of your foundation and one of your seven draft picks that you have over the next five years to get a player who's capable of averaging 25 over a full season is something you at least got to talk about. Again, you and I are on the same page. I don't like the fit. I don't, you know, what do you do with Grimes? All of a sudden yeah. you have Grimes playing 16 minutes a night, 14 minutes a night, yeah. 18 minutes a night. Um, you know, he's not a great fit alongside um, Brunson. That's why Grimes is fitting well. He's, you know, because he's not a defensive-minded player. His shot selection is ugly. Yeah. Um, there's just not a lot there. If 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 you have, you know, you're you're kind of already capped out. You're, you know, a title contender, and you you know maybe you'll, you know you're dealing with some injuries, and you feel like he's a piece that could put you over the top. Then I then I'm more willing to talk about it. Um, but as it stands, I currently shy away, um, even if it's uh, at, at a discount. Um, which again, I don't think it will be. I think the Bulls are not willing to just give a guy away that they yeah. that they that they are high on. Um, but it, it, to, to to answer your question, why would the Knicks be interested if they can get him for dirt cheap? Yeah, I I, I certainly hope that's the case. Um, I, I I I fear that there is this um, Donovan Mitchell backlash that they're still feeling. Um, you know, regardless of how much better the Knicks have played of late. It's still just going to be in their in their minds, in the minds of many other people who observe this league about, you know, what could have been if Donovan Mitchell was here. He scored 71 points. And, of course, you got all of your aficionados on ESPN and all these places saying, oh, you know, he could have been a Nick. And and that things that that dialogue and 
And I do have concern that, you know, the Knicks will feel right now that they, because they didn't get Mitchell, they have to strike on the next guy, regardless of who that person is, even if the fit is so much worse. I mean, Donovan Mitchell is making so much more less money than Zach Levine right now. It's kind of hard to imagine. Um, but, like, he's he's a bargain. Yes, and, 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 let, and let's just be clear: the Knicks cannot offer what they offered for Mitchell for Levine, and absolutely they, not. If yeah. they did, it would be crazy, and 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 they won't. I, you know, let's just let's just, <laughs> yeah. let's just let's just hope that they won't. But yeah, yeah. that, that the, the, there's no way that they can even offer a, a facsimile of the package that they presented, um, you know, to Utah for Mitchell to to to, to Chicago. That shouldn't be the case. Obviously. Yeah, that can't ha- that can't happen. So it's it's it's. So I, I I I hope that the Knicks don't have this feeling of well because of the Mitchell situation, like we got to do something. Like the fans, I think, are mostly fine. I think that like yes. there there isn't this idea that every time Mitchell has a big game, the fans are saying, "What the hell? Why didn't Leon Rose do this?" That's mostly a media narrative that continues to be put out there. Yep. Um, the fans, I think, are mostly fine with what's happening. It kind of is what it is. The Knicks aren't a team that's a championship caliber team right now. Um, they're playing somewhat competitive basketball. They're keeping uh, the you know the fans invested in this season. So there's no need to do something uh, radical. But if there's a reason why I think the Knicks would be interested, I think it's probably because they feel like they, they just need a star. The, the only thing about Levine, and then the contract is, is worrisome, but if, if there was a way – the one benefit I can see the Knicks having with having Levine is they're saying, okay, this is now another talent that we have on our roster. And we're not saying that Levine is going to be, you know, the guy that brings a championship to Madison Square Garden. But when a real superstar, and I don't mean that as a slight to Levine, Levine's a very talented player, but when a quote unquote real superstar comes available, well, now this is a guy that we have on our roster. Now his contract yeah. might not be the greatest. But um, but but like he's still an all-star, like he's still a talented offensive player. Like this is a guy that could, in theory, be moved to another team in a year or two when that other player comes available. Think about how DeMar DeRozan was traded for Kawhi Leonard. Like, like, could he be that guy? Could he be Lamar Rosen, DeMar DeRozan in the Kawhi Leonard trade? Um, that's an interesting kind of foresight to think about. If you're thinking that far ahead, I still kind of worry that it's so much of a there's so many things outside of your control to think that far ahead to think that that's going to work out for you. But I do wonder if that is some of the interest as well, that this is now a star talent that we can move and not feel like we're attached to him the way the team is clearly attached to Randall or the way the team is clearly attached to Brunson, the way the fans are attached to R.J. Barrett. Yeah, I mean, just think about Randall, you know, six months from now. Think about how much he has rehabbed his value right. playing on a team that's three games above 500. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's shown a little more effort intensity on the defensive end. Um, you know, and, and again, in a lot of respects, NBA GMs will tell you it's about it's an Italian accumulation, you know, business. And yeah. Levine is talented. I mean, this is a guy that just two years ago, 2021, 27.4 points, shooting over 50 percent from the floor, 42 percent from downtown, 85 percent from the free throw line five points five assists um again he's down to 22.4 45 shooting um this season i think that's probably closer to what you can expect going forward but in the right situation you rehab his value a little bit and yeah you know a, 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 in a year from now six months from now cat says i won out of minnesota i demand a trade maybe the Timberwolves are interested you know maybe that's a you know instead of having to give up two future firsts you give yeah. up rj and zach levine and you know because uh but again i think the key for the knicks perspective and and, and you nailed it was they're not if they were six games under 500 
and and Mitchell was scoring 71 and you know the right. Knicks were lost and Brunson you know was struggling his first right. season in New York then I think there would be a lot more you know ticket sales were down ratings yeah. were down so, but Knicks are again Nick Dyer fans haven't left Knicks three sixth place in the east we talked about um there's no reason to believe that you know they I think they have like a um, a four game lead on on the 11th seed now so they'll be in the playoff mix yeah. Um, you know, for another two months or so, they'll play meaningful games in the garden in February, in March, um, whether that's fighting for a six seed, you know, which, which Nick fans are hoping or fighting for that eighth, ninth, 10th spot. Um, they'll be in that mix. Um, so there's no reason to kind of go all in on a, on a, on a player, you know, risk your future risk, uh, you know, go, go too heavy uh, on a player with Levine and, and the kind of flaws and the, and the red flags that he carries with him. Yeah. I think that this is going to be a, very interesting trade deadline in the NBA. I think that there are teams that like the Bulls, like the Raptors, that had certain aspirations given how they played last season that have not played close to that. And then there are going to be teams that are going to now say, we got to sell, sell, sell. And because there's so much parody and because there's so many teams that think they can do some things, um, you're going to see teams, I think, maybe get aggressive. And that's also where I think with Knicks, you got to be concerned. You don't want to get into a bidding war with teams yes. that will try to up the ante on a Zach Levine trade. Totally. Well, and that's the other thing about parity, you know, like who who are those <laughs> who are going to be the sellers? Like you would think the Bulls five yeah. games under 100, the Raptors six games under 500. But if I'm if I'm if I'm Osai Ujiri, I'm thinking we're a three game win streak from being the eight seed, and then we can win a player. <laughs> I know. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Like it's just it's so weird that you know usually every you know in the last 10 years, 20 years or so, you had the five teams at the top that can compete for titles, and the 10 teams that are definitely going to miss the playoffs, and the teams at the top pick and choose the the stars that are unhappy or overpaid on those bad teams. But now yeah. there's so many teams in the middle. Um, and even the teams that, in the Wembayana sweepstakes, um, you know, they'd happily give away one of their good players. <laughs> They're all young players on cheap contracts. Yeah. Probably want to pair next to Wimbayana. Um, you know, you'll get there's the occasional Eric Gordons and Gary Harris's of the world, and those guys will be up for grabs. Um, but otherwise, you know, they, they, they there aren't those the, the Zach Levine type guys, the Julius Randle type guys. Um, uh, uh, the the uh, OJ Ananobis, Pascal Siakams, like those guys, you just don't see. It's unlikely that the teams currently in playoff positioning or fighting to get into the playoffs will move those guys, which uh, to your point will make a very, very interesting trade deadline. I'm not sure how it's going to be played out, but it'll be interesting. Yeah. There'll be fireworks one way or another. Yep. Um, that will do it though. For this episode of orange and blue bloods, Tommy, let the people know where they can find you at Tommy beer on Twitter. Um, Looking forward to talking to you guys tomorrow. Be uh, be sure to subscribe. Yes, and you can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. That'll do it for this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods. Remember, you can get these episodes wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Aussie app. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and download feature wherever you do listen to these episodes. And also, uh, again, follow us on social media. You know where Tommy is, you know where I am. So make sure you give us a subscribe, uh, follow and, and then give us a shout out. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode. For Tommy, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.